0: I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read the last part of it. It's too much to put up on the screen. Um, if, you, if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, it's 1 Corinthians 1. I'm going to start at verse 18, and I'm going to read the rest of the chapter. And This is what it says. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a miraculous sign. The Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jew, Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many of you were influential, not many of you were of noble birth, but God let him who boasts boast in the Lord. This passage, as I was studying this week, there's two, two dominant things that stood out to me. That uh, at one time I was thinking, you know, this is two different sermons. I was going to take one and, and then the next week take the other part. Um, and, but I'm hoping, um, you know, you, you, I can take the first part and it would be a nice, simple sermon, and everybody would like that. You know, and take the second part, nice, simple sermon. Everybody would like that. My thought, what I saw this week as I was studying, you put these two things together, and it was like, wow, something profound happened. And I'm hoping that I can communicate that to you, what I saw. I'm hoping that you will see it. Um, We begin with the message of the cross. Verse 18, the first verse that I read, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Let's just break that verse down here. A couple of things I want you to see. First of all, you see there's two types of people. Those who are perishing and those who are being saved. And I would ask you, which group are you in? I'm hoping everybody in here is in that second group. Those who are being saved. Two types of people, according to that verse. Um, and, and as you read the whole passage, you see there's two types of wisdom you got the wisdom of the world. In verse 20 it says, where's the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? There's the wisdom of this world, and there's the wisdom of God, which is quite a different thing. And, and this is mentioned several times through the passage. For verse 21, for, for since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom, the wisdom of the world, did not know him. Um, so, so you got the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God. And I would ask you, just take some, a minute here, and—, and are you living according to the wisdom of this world or are you living according to the wisdom of God? And do you see, do you see there's a difference? As you study the Word of God, you see, I mean, God tells us to do things that, that just doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't sound right. In, in Proverbs 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. How often do you lean on your own understanding rather than trusting God? And is that a problem for you? Does that get in the way? Is that right? This is just one example. Um, in, in Matthew 7, verse uh, 12, do not it says, do to others what you would have them do unto you. That's the wisdom of God. That's kind of contrary to the wisdom of this world. In Romans 12, it says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. That's just, that's not natural. You know, somebody hurts me, I'm going to hurt them. And God says, no, don't do that. Am I going to listen to God, or am I going to listen to the ways of this world? You got, you got the wisdom of God versus human wisdom, worldly wisdom. Ask you know, do I ask you, do you see that? And are you, being, are you being influenced by the wisdom of this world or are you being influenced by the wisdom of God? Which one do you give attention to? What are you listening to? And there's two different perspectives here. Back in verse 18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So, so the message of the cross is foolishness to some people. Verse 23, it says, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. So to some people, this, it's, it just doesn't make sense. It's foolishness. And, and I would tell you, I think maybe the reason why, if you go to Romans uh, chapter 1, it says they suppress the truth and their wickedness. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the wisdom of God because that might convict them. That might mean they have to change something. They don't don't want to think, you you know, God is humble, therefore I have to be humble. I don't want to be humble. God is sinless, therefore I have to be sinless. God's calling me to be holy. Some people don't want to be holy. God is a loving God, and he's calling us to be loving. And some people, all they love is themselves. And, and, and for some, whatever reason, people are resisting the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to submit to the truth. And, and everything that we have to say, they consider that, that's foolishness. They just, they, just, they just dismiss it all as foolishness. So some people see the message of the cross as foolishness, and some people see the message of, of the cross as the power of God. To us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It says in verse twenty-four: "Those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God." So there, you got two different perspectives. Do you see the message of the cross as foolishness, or do you see the message of the cross as the power of God? Now, now to get into this here, I've collected a few a few samples of of the world as they dismiss Jesus Christ. You know, what, some things they say, Richard Dawkins, I have him. He, he's a professor at the University of Oxford, and he put out a book called The, the God De- Delusion, The God Delusion, where he attacks people of faith. And he writes, if you meet somebody who claims not to believe in evolution, that person is either ignorant or stupid or insane or wicked, but I'd rather not consider that. This is what he writes. If you, if, you, if, you, if you don't agree with him about evolution, if you, if you buy into the Bible, if you believe that, that story about creation, you know, in Acts, or in Genesis chapter 1, then what's he say? You are, you are ignorant, stupid, or insane, or wicked. And, and I would point this out. This is not reasonable with me. Somebody else would point this out. If you read the book, he offers no evidence for his position. He just, he's basically saying, you don't agree with him, you're a problem. That's just arrogance. That's all that is. That's just pure arrogance. Bill Meyer, he, a comedian, he uh, not that funny, uh, but he released a documentary, uh, Religulous, um, a documentary in 2008 where he continuously makes fun of people of faith, and he calls the Bible a fairy tale. And, like, the, the world is hostile to Christians. The world is becoming more and more hostile to Christians. And I, and, I, and I feel like I see it all the time anymore that I've just stopped paying attention to it. Um, there's, more, there's, there's more I could show you. But the, my, my thought is, why? Why such hatred towards Christianity? Why such hatred towards Christ? Couldn't they just, okay, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. But no, they can't do that. They have to write books. They have to put out documentaries. They have to make public statements. Christians are the problem. Why is that? And, And I would tell you, it's because of pride. Pride and arrogance. The problem is, we exalt ourselves instead of God. We exalt our human reasoning skills over God's wisdom. And as a result, we are more educated, but we're not wiser. We have more means of helping one another, but we're not less selfish. We have more ways of communicating to one another, but we still don't understand one another. And with all the human wisdom that we have, we have not changed for the better. We've just discovered new ways to express our depravity. I mean, we're really getting good at expressing our depravity. And God says this, what, what Paul, is, verse 19, Paul writes, it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. This is God speaking. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. And I looked at that. Is God anti-intellectualism? Is that, is that the problem here? Is that what he's saying here? He doesn't like smart people? Um, is that the problem? And I would—I want to be—I I really believe if if you are intelligent, if you're smart, that is a gift from God. I wish I had that gift. But uh, you know, the Bible says we should worship the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our, of our, our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, all of our mind. I, I want to tell you, I believe it's an act of worship to give your mind to Jesus Christ, to to excel in in whatever area, so that He is glorified as you. Give your mind to the things of God. The problem is, it's not that God hates intellectualism. It's because people's intellectualism gets in their way of their relationship with God. It is because God hates pride. And people can be so intelligent that they get so full of themselves. God hates pride. It says in Proverbs 16, verse 5, everyone who's arrogant is an abomination to the Lord. I feel like you need to see that. You need to understand that. You need to to start examining yourselves. Is this me? Am I doing this? Luke 16, verse 15. "What What is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Yeah, I think the point is, we exalt all these, we exalt everything but God. And that's the problem. And I can show you verse after verse after verse. In, throughout the scriptures, where, where it's, it's this is the message. God hates pride. And, and that, might, that might be troublesome for some people because God is supposed to be a God of love. How can a loving God hate anything? And the reason that God can hate pride, the reason he does hate pride, is because he loves you so much. If you love something, you hate anything that's a threat to it. If you love your children, you hate anything that's a threat to your children. If you love your family, you hate anything that's a threat to your family. If you love your liberty, you hate anything as a threat to your liberty. So God's hate is because of his love. Because he loves you so much and he knows what this is doing to you. He knows this is coming between you and him. This, this, it's, it's, it's idolatry. Um, and it's an issue at the Church of Corinth. We just started the study of 1 Corinthians. Started it last week. Um, going to be in it for quite a while. And in verse 29, it was to say, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. This is the issue today. Um, God does not want you boasting before. You, you're not going to get to his throne and say, look at me. Look at what I did. Look at my accomplishments. I'm pretty good stuff. No, God, God, you're not going to boast in front of God about how great you are. That is not, that's not going to happen. So that's this week's message. But, but you, you keep on going through the book. In and, and 1 Corinthians 3, verse 21, it says, So let no one boast of men, of, boast of human leaders. Um, in, in, in chapter 4, verse 6, uh, it says that none of you may be puffed up. In, in verse 7, it says, if, you, uh, if then you received it, why do you boast as if it was not a gift? It's still boasting. In, in chapter 5, it says, you are arrogant. Doesn't get much clearer than that, does it? I mean, we're, he, Paul just calls him out. You are so arrogant. In, in chapter 8, verse 1, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. In, in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, everybody's uh, familiar with the love chapter. It says, love is not jealous or boastful. It is not arrogant or rude. So all throughout the book of Corinthians, you see this is an issue that Paul is dealing with. He's dealing with their pride. It wasn't, one, it wasn't just one sermon. It was, it was throughout it. We, we even saw it last week, the, the, the divisiveness between the different groups in, in Corinth. Because one follows Apollos, one follows Paul, one follows Cephas. They were proud of who they were following. And it was, be, it was becoming divisive. Paul is addressing those who would claim to be so wise, who are using their worldly wisdom— to divide the church. They take pride in their human wisdom, their worldly wisdom. They became arrogant. The value of human wisdom that they were so proud of, it's, it's worthless. It's destructive. It's divisive. It can't, your worldly wisdom, your human wisdom can't save anyone. And it does not further the cause of Christ. It's actually an obstacle to it. Paul says, uh, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. He says, your human wisdom is just interfering with the power of the cross. The wisdom they were so proud of was counterproductive to the gospel. The wisdom they were so proud of was in opposition of the gospel. The wisdom they were so proud of was robbing the gospel of its power. And and, and Paul is trying to tell them, you need to see what your human wisdom is doing. Your human wisdom is foolishness. You need to embrace the wisdom of God. So so as I get into this here, I want want to ask you, What is pride? What is pride? Um, What is it that God hates so much about it? And and what I wrote down, pride is boasting in yourself rather than in the Lord. It's taking credit for yourself rather than giving God the credit. It's relying on yourself rather than relying on God. It's feeling pretty self-sufficient in your own strength instead of in God's strength. It's it's a refusal to admit that we are just mere earthen vessels. We are sinners saved by grace. And see, when we don't admit that, God gets no glory. God, we're robbing God of His glory. It's the unwillingness to admit our weakness, our need for Christ, so that He is magnified in all we do. I think I have it on your outline. If you have an outline, that pride is the idolatrous worship of self. It's the national religion of hell. And I think I said it better than any other way I could figure out how to say it. It's the national religion of hell. It's all about me. It's nothing about God. And what is God's desire for you? Because he loves you. It's because he loves you. That's why he hates this arrogance. He hates this pride because he knows it's coming between you and him. It's because he loves you, he wants the, most, the deepest, most satisfying relationship you can have because he cares about you, and, and he knows your pride is coming in the way of that. We were made to boast in God. We were made to give him all the glory. We were made to rely on his power. We were made to magnify his name. This is the source, and I hope you understand. This, this is where our joy comes from. This is where our satisfaction comes from when we put him on the throne and not ourselves. Pride hinders our capacity for exalting God, for glorifying God. Therefore, God hates pride. And you and I should hate that which God hates. We need to realize what it's doing to our relationship with him. What it's doing to our relationship with each other. So so i try to make the case here. I I have three observations that I want to give you here. One is you and I created in God's image, male and female, uh, created in his image. And for some reason, God put it within us, this desire to boast about something. We are created to boast. I, that's, that's our human nature. I, I don't, I'm not saying it's part of our sinful nature. It's just our, our human nature. It's how we are wired. I have to boast in something. In, in, in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 22, Jews demand miraculous signs. Greeks looked for wisdom. You know, the the Jews were looking for a Messiah that was all powerful, that they could boast about. We want want somebody who destroys the Romans. You know, that's what they were looking for. The the Greeks, they they were looking for intelligence. Um, So you got the Jews, you know, saying, look at how powerful we are. you got the Greeks saying, look how smart we are. Um, Some people get their uh, self-esteem through power. Some through intelligence. I mean, some through other things. I don't know. Um, and it, it get this. It might it might be your own power. It might be your own intelligence. It's it's you know look at me. But if that's not working, if you're purely like inept and, and everything, um, then you start looking at other people and like okay, well look at my children, or look at my grandchildren, or look at look at my baseball team. Or my football team. And isn't it amazing? So it doesn't have to be my power. You know, it can be indirectly somebody else's power or, or their intelligence or their, their accomplishments. We just have to boast in something. So, so our football team, you know, they win the national championship or something. And we're like, we're number one. We're no-. You had nothing to do with it. All you did was buy popcorn. But you're taking all the credit. You're taking all the Look at me. Look at us. I mean, that's just that's, we have to boast in something. I think God created a man with a deep desire to boast in something great, but sin entered the picture and has blinded us to boasting in what we truly should be boasting in, which is God. We live in a world, you know, show me your mind, show me your abilities, show me your accomplishments. Well, show me your God. Show me how great your God is. Let's talk about that. Let's boast about that. We are created to boast. The second observation I want, I want you to see here, that God is superior to all things. He, 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 it says in 1 Corinthians uh, one twenty-five: For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. And Paul's saying even when God is as foolish as he can possibly be, he's still smarter than the, the wisdom of man. Even when God is as weak as he possibly can be, he's still more powerful Than anything this earth can unleash. How foolish we are to seek wisdom and power in anything other than God. God is the greatest treasure of power there is. God is the greatest treasure of wisdom there is. He is superior. We are created to boast in something, God is superior to all things. And the third thing I want you to see, and this one's really, really important to me, this is where I think all the pieces come together here, is the antidote to our pride, to our arrogance, is the cross. Look at what it says in verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. And it would ask you what was preached? What was it that was being preached? What is it that today that is being preached? Is it not Christ crucified? Is it not the message of the cross? It's not about the Christmas story, it's not about the sermon on the mount, it's not about the Old Testament, it's not about it is not about the ten commandments. It's about Christ crucified. The message of the cross. And and, and why why is that the message we preach? So that we do not boast in ourselves. Verse uh, 28, 29. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Do you understand what's going on here? God does not want you in front of him boasting about you. So i want to look at this message of the cross. What is it about the message of the cross that makes it so special? Those who are perishing look at the message of the cross in their arrogance, and they call it foolishness. They say, you you want me to bow down to that? You think I need that? Don't you see how smart I am? Don't you see how important I am? Don't you see how great I am, how self-made I am? And the proud man cannot, will not bend his knee to the cross. It's foolishness to him. And all they can see, when they look at the cross, all they can see is the bad. And and, and I'll give you something. They, They see the disgrace. They see defeat. They see shame. The Jews saw it as a curse. It says in Deuteronomy 21, anyone who is hung on a tree is under a curse from God. So the, the Jews look at Jesus. He's, he's cursed by God. He's not blessed by God. That's, that cannot be God. He's cursed. And the Greeks just thought, this doesn't make any sense. Why would, why would a God put himself up on a cross? They, could not, they couldn't wrap their mind around that. It's just crazy. It's just foolish. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And I, I, I want you to see, I hope you can see, you look at the cross and what do you see? Do you see the power of God? Do, do you not see this is the greatest, most important event in all of human history? Because when you look at the cross, I want to help you out here with the good. I want you to see the good, don't see the bad, you see the good. You see the good. what my God did for me. You see His love. You see His mercy. You see His holiness. And you see his wrath, his wrath that was poured out on his son instead of you, because He sent His son in your place. You see, the devil was defeated. And death was defeated, and our sins were washed away. You see the gift of eternal life that was promised when, when Jesus died on that cross for our sins. I'm telling you to, to the Christian, this is the most glorious thing that's ever happened, the, the most wonderful thing that, that has ever happened in all of human history. My God. Being humble, being loving, being selfless, being sacrificial, giving himself, it's a glorious, it's a wonderful thing, which I don't deserve, and you don't deserve, and it doesn't make sense. I I got three questions I want you to ask yourselves. And I wish I had time to give you some time. just. To, I think you're going to have to write this down. You're going to have to take this home. This is your homework assignment this week. The first question is, when you look at the cross, when you look at that cross, what's it tell you about God? I, just, I really want to encourage you to take some time this week and reflect on that. What's this tell me about God? And the second question I have for you is what's it tell you about you? What's that cross tell you about you? What's the message that you need to hear? You need to come to terms with? And the third question I would have for you is what's it tell you about your purpose in life? your purpose in life to to be rich to be smart to be successful is that your purpose in life I'll let you figure that one out but I hope you take some time and you think that through i believe if you if you spend some time on those three questions reflecting on those, those three questions coming to your own conclusions i believe it might be the most the most rewarding thing you can do to truly understand, not hear me talk about the message of the cross, but for you to understand the message of the cross. Why the cross? so that we do not boast in ourselves. So we do not rob God the glory due His name. If you have your outline, I've got three, three points I want to make application here. First of all, don't be proud. God hates pride. We see that. We know that. We understand that. Don't be proud. Recognize the dangers of pride, that, that it puts the emphasis on you and, instead of a God. God, did I say this already? Right. God, God created the universe. You created a sandwich, okay? That's all you've done, all right? Uh, like, God is so awesome. Who am I? I am so puny. Pride robs God of his glory. Pride takes the attention off of God. It puts you at the center of attention. And you can't save yourself. And God didn't save you because you're so good or you're so awesome. He saved you because he's so awesome. To God be the glory. Let him who boast boast in the Lord. Which leads me to the second point here. Don't be silent. You know, some people don't boast, but they, they don't say anything. they don't do anything. They don't boast at all. And that's not the message of the text. You were created to boast, just not in yourself, not in the things of this world. You are, to, you are created to boast in the greatness of God. I hope, you, I hope you see that in the text. So, my third point is don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of your Lord and Savior, of Jesus Christ, of the cross, of the Word of God. As, as people call you a fool, as people ridicule you, as people, they, they don't understand you, they attack you, and I think it's going to happen more and more and more in the years to come. So, so a lot of people just don't say anything. A lot of people, I don't want to be called a fool. No, don't be ashamed. Boast in Jesus. Let him who boasts Boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord. You know, somebody's going to ridicule you and you say, you, you Christians, you think you're better than everybody else. That's, that's not true. That's not what Christians think. We, we know we're hypocrites. We know we're sinners saved by grace. We know we're pretty messed up people. We're, we're broken people. The good news is you can, it's going to be easy for you to join us. You know, you're, you, you'd fit right in. <laughs> so if you want to join, this is who we are. We're nothing special, but we love Jesus. How do you boast in Jesus? You tell people how, how good Jesus has been to you. Do you know what I would be like if I didn't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Do you, do you, who I was before Jesus is, is because of the love of Jesus, because of the grace of Jesus, because of the power of Jesus. It's changed everything to God be the glory. Boast in Jesus. Tell the world how great our Jesus is. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things. This is why he chose me. In the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. He chose the foolish, the weak, the lowly, the despised. He did it to shame the proud, those who boast in themselves, boast in their power and their wealth, their accomplishments, their abilities. The purpose of God in the creation of man and in the salvation of sinners is that we might boast in him. That is God's will for you. That is my message today. God is clearly saying, turn from your boasting in yourself, in the things of this world. Repent. Repent of that. Don't seek your pleasure in your own wisdom or your own strength or your own looks or your achievements. That's not where your satisfaction should come from. Look to Christ crucified and learn the message of the cross. Paul writes in Galatians 6, he says, far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I call you today to come to Christ and die to yourselves so that you may live. Live the life that God has intended for you, that God wants to give you. And the promise of God is this. There is no greater life, no greater joy than boasting in him. That is why we worship. That's why we, we love to worship. We want the world to know how great our God is. We want to give God the glory due his name. We were created to boast, and we should be boasting. We are created to boast in the Lord.